What's up, everyone? It's Ray Garvin, host of the Destination Debbie podcast. If you're waiting until after the NFL season to start your college scouting process, you're already behind the eight ball. There are hundreds of college football games on each and every Saturday, far too many to keep up with along with following your favorite NFL teams. But don't worry, this show is designed for not only you hardcore Debbie leaguers, but those of you who want to learn about the next group of potential NFL stars and get a leg up in your traditional dynasty leagues. We don't just talk about the big name college football guys. We hit on the small school value prospects who also have a shot to make it at the next level. If you want to position your dynasty team for short and long-term success, make sure you check out the DDP on DLF and all the other amazing shows DLF has to offer. Superflex City population, all the QBs, all the Superflex content, and all of you Superflexers. Superflex finally has a home all its own, and the city never sleeps. Superflexperts, Superflexible, the Superflex Super Show, and much, much more, all under one city skyline, means you never have to leave Superflex City. Every ounce of Superflex advice, theory, speculation, and strategy on the planet lives right here. Subscribe to the Superflex City podcast feed wherever you listen to podcasts and get access to the only fantasy football entity on earth that is committed entirely to Superflex. Let the Superflex authority be your tour guide as you explore these city streets. Welcome to Superflex City. DLF family of podcasts. Who it's me? It's me. It's that old SFD, the lone one-man wolf pack, running through the streets of Superflex City, and this is a Superflex Super Show. That's right, going solo, first time in a while here on uh, on Super Show. It's kind of a first time in a while, just in general. In all actuality, um, I I, uh, I tend to do it uh, on uh, on Superflex City, but today in particular, uh, I felt like I needed to uh, get back on the Superflex Super Show and tie this all together with uh, with some stuff that uh, that's going on over at DLF, um, some things that I'm working on, some things that that we're always working on at DLF, and uh, just kind of put everything. Uh, just kind of bring everything all together. So first of all, welcome to not we're it's not quite 2021. Maybe uh, you probably won't listen to this um, until uh, until after the new year. So happy new year to everybody. 
Um, I, uh, I, I hope that it was a, uh, a, a 2020, a, a celebration worthy of the accomplishment of getting through 2020. What the hell was that? This, this year was just absolute crap. I, I, and, you know, for fantasy football purposes, totally different thing, of course. Um, it actually ended up being a, a pretty, pretty good year for me. Um, very fun year for sure. Um, I hope it was for you as well. Um, I, I hope that the fantasy season, the NFL season, I hope that it served as a, uh, a distraction from everything. Um, the, the very difficult year that we had otherwise. Um, and, uh, I hope that, like I said, I hope that the celebration, uh, was, um, you know, uh, I, I hope that it comes with a sense of relief, a sense of accomplishment. It kind of feels like, I don't know about you, but I, like, I think of those YouTube videos of, of, you know, the people running marathons and they get to, you know, they get close to the finish line. They get to like the last mile or whatever, and their body just starts to atrophy. It just starts to shut down. And next thing you know, they're just kind of, they look like a wounded animal, just kind of, you know, just, just like going, going in all kinds of zigzag patterns. And next thing you know, they're like on the ground kind of crawling and people just kind of running by them, looking down at them like, what the, what is, and, and, you know, they, they try and stand up and just kind of melt like a, like a hot piece of wax and just end up back on the ground just kind of crawling and a couple of them like you know leaning on each other <laughs> as they as they cross the finish line together uh just like a, a like a a broken bike or something just all wobbly and shaky um that's that's how it feels getting through 2020 getting to the to the finish line uh it feels like <laughs> It feels like we're just kind of crawling towards it. Uh, the the none of the muscles in my body want to work. I'm just like dehydrated, and, and which is you know somewhat true. It's uh it's hard to be stuck inside all day, and um and you know and drinking water. Like when I've got a I've got my refrigerator right there. It's full of all kinds of stuff that tastes far better than water. So. Like I, so, I'm legitimately dehydrated. Um, I, I, my muscles certainly aren't atrophied or anything like that, but my mind is. Uh, my, my, my psyche certainly is, uh, and I, I think that, uh, I, you know, I, I don't think that that's unique to me. Um, as tough as this year was for me, I, I, I recognize that uh, everyone's got a story to tell. And, uh, you know, we all had some unique experiences, um, but this overall was just a very tough year for a lot of people. So, but we made it, we're here 2021, almost right now, you might be listening to this in 2020. A lot of you are going to listen to this in 2021. We made it and congratulations to us all. Um, I also wonder what the, uh, the the new year's celebration was like like what i i mean first like obviously there's nothing for us to really do 
Um, I don't know about you, but where I'm at here in Denver, Colorado, all the bars close at like eight o'clock or something like that. Um, the ones where you're actually allowed to even go in, uh, we've got a, we've got a super early curfew. And, uh, so, I mean, you know, even if I was the type to, to, you know, go out and party like I did in my younger days, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we'd just be standing on a street corner waiting for an Uber at like 8.30, uh, still, you know, three and a half hours away from the new year. And uh, I, I just imagine, just imagine it being super awkward, but not nearly as awkward as just sitting at home uh, watching on television, because I assume we're not going to get the you know, the old Dick Clark, you know, now Ryan Seacrest and Kathy Griffin. I, I imagine we're not going to get the, the you know, the Times Square stuff from New York with the ball dropping and everything. They might still do the ball, but I, like, I imagine, you know, instead of having the big crowd behind them out in Times Square in New York, I, I imagine that it's probably going to be like in a studio somewhere with a bunch of people just on tv screens behind them just kind of clapping just you know awkwardly i don't i don't know how like how do you get that gig who who like who decides first of all how do you even apply for that like is there an ad in the paper somewhere that said hey like i mean we don't read newspapers anyways anymore but maybe it's on indeed or something like on on monster.com that, hey, we need faces on our uh, on our giant screen behind Ryan Seacrest for New Year's, and uh, somebody somebody actually applies to do that. I don't know if they have to interview or what. Like, what are the qualifications? Um, you got to be willing to clap, even though you're the only one in in your entire room, and it's just so awkward. And uh, but you know, you're willing to be on TV. And see somebody, you know, somebody, you know, allow the the rest of the country and the rest of the world to see you just kind of cheering the ball drop, even though you're not actually watching it. You're just on, on Zoom, basically. So, yeah, it's going to be awkward, I assume. Um, it probably was awkward. How about that? I'm going to manipulate time and space here and say... Uh, that New Year's celebration, that was that was awkward, wasn't it? Wasn't that weird? That was so quintessential 2020. Um, yeah. Anyways, that's the, the that's that's kind of the it you know, it, it just stands to reason. The entire year was weird. The entire year was awkward, but we made it through it. One last test. Can we survive uh, a cringe-worthy New Year's celebration, um, or just overall, just kind of a boring one, sitting at home. And then once we do that, we've made it through this NFL season. We've made it through this year, and you know, hopefully we, hopefully twenty twenty. I mean, it can't be worse, right? Can it? I mean, it can. <laughs> Knock on wood, because it can. But it shouldn't. I, I can't I can't imagine that it's gonna twenty twenty one would be worse than what twenty twenty was. And in that's in a lot of different respects. Um 
you know, let's let's get back to football. Let's get back to fantasy football and just kind of football in general. The you know the, the to just to see full stadiums again in 2021. Um, you know, fewer fewer injuries like the that the the COVID list and the the COVID protocols, and it, it's all fine. It it made things very difficult for us for fantasy football purposes, you know. Um, the the shortened IR. If you're you know a player put on IR for uh, in, in here in 2020, it was only for three weeks, whereas in the past it's usually eight weeks. So I mean, you've got to be very very hurt <laughs> to go on IR normally. Um, you need you know it's got to be something that requires eight weeks to recover. And then even then, you know, you come off of the IR and you've got a couple weeks to determine, like, are you going to be able to play or are they shutting you down for the year? They can only bring back, you know, a handful, a couple people uh, off of IR, whatever, you know. But now, I mean, here in 2020, it's been three weeks. If you've got a three-week injury, and I mean, that's most injuries, if it's enough to keep you out for one week, they probably put you on IR and shut you down for three weeks. And it made things very difficult for us for fantasy football purposes. You know, it, it, for one thing, it was very hard to, to get a grasp on how hurt some of these guys were. Joe Mixon is a great example of this because they didn't put him on IR and he missed... I don't know what four weeks, something like that, before he finally goes on IR, and we finally kind of get a sense of, oh, okay, so this is actually like this is pretty legit. He's he's pretty hurt because this felt like a week to week thing. Just so you know, this felt like a week to week proposition with Joe Mixon. We thought we might be getting him back any time because you didn't put him on IR, you know, and and. So they, when they finally put him on IR, then it's like, oh, so he was actually pretty hurt. And now, you know, we're probably going to, we're not going to have him for the rest of the year and we need to make other arrangements, you know. So there's that side of it. There's also, you know, the guys who did end up on IR. Sometimes, you know, we still don't totally understand the severity of it. They come off of IR, and it's like, all right, so there is—is is this guy just good to go now, or is it, you know, is he going to come out and do the Julio Jones, you know, be a decoy thing? We don't know. <laughs> we we never we never totally knew. We never totally knew how to handle these players. You know, the IR just. Injured reserve just wasn't nearly as much information as what we were used to. And yeah, it just it just made roster management so so difficult for us here in 2020. I would love to see that go back to normal <laughs> above all else. I you know, fan, fans in the seats would be great. To me it definitely adds to the experience. I don't care to go to a game anymore. I've been enough to, you know, I've been to enough NFL games to know that I, I'd be fine if I never go watch another game for the rest of my life. You know, it's it's hard to tell what's going on. It's cold. Everything's more expensive. 
the beer I have at home is free. <laughs> the beer they have is like 12 bucks or something like that. So, you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sounding like an old guy right now. Get off my lawn guy. But yeah, I don't, I just don't care to watch games in person. So, so that part doesn't affect me too much. I think it does add to the overall atmosphere when you've got a, a full stadium, but you know, I, I, it doesn't, that part doesn't actually affect me. The part that affects me is my ability to play fantasy football, my ability to manage my roster, my ability to set my lineups. And I think that a lot of us felt that. I think that, you know, I, I, I think that it kind of created, I won't say complex is necessarily, Although, I mean, that's not far from the truth, is it? <laughs> it it kind of, we're, we're a little bit like a, 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 a puppy that got hit on the nose with a rolled up newspaper when it comes to these injuries and when it comes to these players in general. And this is not something that we needed, by the way. We, we, we struggle with this every single year. You know, player values, um, the uh, rookie pick values. I'm, I'm. This is a, the longest segue. I, I'm, I'm the master of dragging out a segue, and but that's what's going on right now. I know it feels like I'm rambling. I'm not. This is a, this is this is a signature John Hogue segue right here. But every single year, we we struggle with you know, the, the battle between, you know, players and draft picks and those values. And like, there's, there's this mystique. I actually wrote an article a while back. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't always, I don't love plugging my, my own articles or anything like that. I don't, I don't like being that guy, but, um, I wrote a, an article and I believe it was early last off season, maybe even the, the off season before that. Uh, just kind of talking about future draft picks and, you know, the way we overvalue them, um, you know, the, the way we, the way we kind of think about them and the way we talk about them and, you know, uh, uh, so much of it is like it, it, there's just this mystique behind it. And we always talk about the, <laughs> you know, the family guy uh you know the 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 mystery box and you know you could you could take the boat or you could take the mystery box well the boat's a boat but the mystery box could be anything it could even be a boat you know so we that's that's kind of what draft picks are you know we're 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 constantly seeing you know established stud players elite players even traded for these rookie picks in hopes that, you know, the rookie pick turns into a player as good as the one that you traded away. Like, isn't it, isn't it backwards? Doesn't it feel so backwards? And, and like in a moment of clarity, every single one of us can acknowledge that that's what's going on. You know, that this mystery box is just intriguing that, you know, the idea of having this, the anticipation of finding out what that mystery box is. And, and there's some status to it too, right? There's there's just kind of this, 
this feeling like you just kind of puff up your chest and and strut around in front of your league mates because you've got the first overall rookie pick. You know, you've got 1.01 and they don't. You've got all the power and they don't. You didn't win the championship. In fact, your team was awful. <laughs> That's why you got 101. But now, now's your time. Championships are done. The season's over. Payouts have been made. And now everybody turns their attention to the non-point scoring season. Everybody turns their attention to rookies especially. Everybody turns their attention to the rookie draft. And whoever has 1.01 has all the power. It's the ring. <laughs> the one ring. It's, uh, it's you know, it's it's just the, the ultimate status symbol for Dynasty football. Even though we get that damn thing wrong all the time. You know? You know, like, uh, even just this past year. You know, I, where, uh, and I think that a lot of people were taking Joe Burrow. We're already ranking Justin Herbert ahead of Joe Burrow. And then for those of us who took the quarterback extreme route, you know, in our startups and had plenty of quarterbacks, it, it, and it was, a, it was a little bit of, str- of a struggle, I'll admit that, but it, was, it kind of felt like, do you take Joe Burrow because quarterbacks are still, you know, still extremely valuable and still extremely scarce? So do I take Joe Burrow and and now I've got six quarterbacks on my roster? Or with this quarterback that's ready to contend now, you know, I've got all these quarterbacks, all these young quarterbacks, I'm ready to roll, I just need some running backs. Do I take a running back with the 101? If I did that, it probably ended up being Clyde Edwards-Alaire. That's what a lot of people did. And there were times where he was fine in 2020 but you know Jonathan Taylor James Robinson you know Cam Akers once or twice Antonio Gibson once or twice DeAndre Swift J.K. Dobbins like those guys all actually at least one weeks for you and Jonathan Taylor especially at the at the end of the season when you needed him the most you know when you needed that running back one he was there he was so solid Multiple touchdowns in week 16 against that Steelers defense. Are you kidding me? It's just so damn good. But still, you know, we once once the rookie draft happened and Clyde Edwards-Alaire goes in the first round to the defending world champs and goes to play with Patrick Mahomes in that Andy Reid offense, I mean, we were just falling all over ourselves for him. That ended up being the wrong pick, at least for 2020. I mean, we'll see in 2021. I still think I, I I felt all along like Jonathan Taylor was, you know, was was the better player, just as good of a situation. The only thing that Ceh really had on him was draft capital, and that's not compelling enough to me. But you know, this isn't about you know this this isn't about looking back on, you know good calls versus bad calls because I had plenty of both. I don't want to look at the scoreboard right at the moment. But I I just want to point out that 
you know, as, as great as it felt to have 1.01, you know, in, in January, February, March, uh, even, you know, most of April and into May in, uh, here in 2020, you know, once you made that pick or even once you were on the clock, it wasn't as good of a feeling anymore. (laughs) And then you made the pick. I mean, maybe you traded it. Maybe you you took advantage of that crazy value. It's hard to do, though. That's why it gets so much value is because people just won't trade it. They like the feeling of power. They like that feeling of invincibility that 101 gives you. And so they probably just made the pick, right? And, you know, it, there there's immediately some buyer's remorse when you make that pick but you know you can still rationalize it and say I mean that was the right pick to make either way whether it was Burrow or CEH you say that was the right move to make I made the right pick there I made the right decision and then you got to the season and that's when it actually comes to fruition either way And the truth of the matter is, just objectively speaking, was Joe Burrow a good pick with the first overall pick in your Superflex Dynasty Leagues? Yes, obviously. He looks the part. He looks like he's going to be a long-term superstar in this league. He's got excellent weapons already. You 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 get Joe Mixon healthy. You give now you've got a full year of for uh, T Higgins in that offense. You know to go along with Tyler Boyd, you might even be able to add another weapon for him somewhere. Whether it's you know a, a pass catching tight end, or you know maybe a, a another outside receiver so that Tyler Boyd kind of stays in the slot. There there are ways to make this even better for Joe Burrow. And then, I mean, get rid of Zach Taylor. Like, that, that feels... He's got Adam Gase vibes to me. Um, but we'll see. But, you know, Joe Burrow was an objectively great quarterback as a rookie in a very good system, or a very good uh, a very good situation, at least. The system is kind of meh. <laughs> and, and there's room for improvement. They can fix that offensive line. Get him some protection so he doesn't have to have any more of those horrific injuries. He's not under constant pressure anymore. Man, like there, there's an opportunity for Joe Burrow. It, I, he came nowhere close to his, his ceiling. So it was a good pick. It was a good, solid pick to take Joe Burrow with that first overall pick. But Justin Herbert's better. You know, <laughs> at least right now, from where we sit right now, and and look at this objectively, we have to acknowledge that Justin Herbert would have been the better pick. And ADP data right now is is fleshing that out for us. It's showing that people are taking Justin Herbert over Joe Burrow. There could be some recency bias. Justin Herbert finished the season. Joe Burrow did not. Maybe that's part of the you know, maybe that's part of the logic. It also could be the fact that Justin Herbert, you know, what, 30 touchdowns? (laughs) 
if he didn't get there, he was damn close. I know he was over 28. Um, you know, so, so he just, he just had an objectively better season than Joe Burrow. And, you know, so the truth be told, apropos of nothing, Justin Herbert would have been a better pick. Therefore, you blew it. 101 was you made a good pick with Joe Burrow, you would have been better off with Justin Herbert. If you went running back, you took Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you would have been better off with Jonathan Taylor. You blew it. You know, and uh, obviously like, there's there are degrees of blowing it. <laughs> there are b- degrees of getting it wrong. You could have gotten it way more wrong. You know, you could have took Jerry Judy. That would have been an, a, that would have been a very bad pick. You could have took Tua, you know, and and he was fine, but uh, you know there there was no way that he should have been the first overall pick. You could have took Jordan Love first overall. That's that's truly blowing it. But I mean, you just got it wrong. That's just there's there's kind of no way around it. If you took Burrow over Herbert, you got it wrong. If you took Clyde Edwards-Alaire over Jonathan Taylor, you got it wrong. And that's what happens in a rookie draft. And that's the problem. That's that's the whole issue is that, you know, people forget that that happens pretty frequently, you know, if not all the time. You know, Leonard Fournette went ahead of Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. I mean, hell, even Dalvin Cook went ahead of Alvin Kamara. That was wrong, you know? Like, it, it, that's what, four years ago now, but, you know, um, Mitchell Trubisky went ahead of Pat Mahomes. Deshaun Watson went ahead of Pat, Patrick Mahomes. That was wrong. Baker Mayfield went ahead of Lamar Jackson. That was wrong, you know? It, it, we just, we get those wrong. We get those wrong all the time. Even 101. 101 feels safe because it can be absolutely any player. Whoever ends up in the best situation, you know, the best combination of talent and situation, draft capital, you know, whatever else you want to include in that, you know, 101 can be anyone. We think it's going to be Trevor Lawrence this year. And, you know, that very well, maybe we won't get that one wrong but we still might. We do it all the time. There's not as much safety. That's the whole point. Let me just just get down to the brass tacks here. Rookie picks are not nearly as safe as we like to make them out to be. They're fun. Like I said, that feeling of power, you know, that feeling of, of invincibility, that's a great feeling, isn't it? Like being the, without winning the championship, without even making the playoffs, you only you only felt victory one time all season. But now here in the offseason, you're doing nothing but winning because you're holding 101. You know, that's, that. It, it's a great feeling. I will admit that. The problem is at some point you have to actually make that pick. And that's where it goes south. It is really hard to get that thing to get that thing right. And then beyond that, after 101, it gets harder and harder with every single pick. 
But this is a pitfall that we fall into every single season. Every single non-point scoring season, we you know, we we start to devalue these players and part of it is, you know, back to the IR situation, back to the injuries. You know, we we look back at these players and feel like, you know what? That guy wasn't that safe. Joe Mixon put me in a pretty bad spot with his injury. And it was even worse because I couldn't put him on IR. They had him week to week for like four weeks. You know, so you 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 feel like that rookie pick is a lot safer than the player who just lets you down, whoever that player is. And that's where people can kind of rationalize trading away a you know a very good player like a Joe Mixon for an early first round pick. So that's that there it is. There's there's my long long segue into what I'd like to spend the second half of this episode talking about. So so we're running uh we, we just ran some Superflex ADP mock drafts, startup mock drafts uh that we use to collect the data um that creates the ADP that you can find at dynastyleaguefootball.com. Um, do that at the beginning of every month, every single month, year-round, I'm doing those. And about to start some more of them. So if you'd like to participate, please do. Um, it, it's The more of those that we can do, the better the ADP is that you can find it at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. And then on top of that, we're actually, so we run them on, on MyFantasyLeague.com. Um, and on the MFL app and you know we we help create their ADP as well by running these mock drafts we create the ADP at MFL that ultimately you know when you do a startup on M- on MFL uh, it, it organizes those player names for you based on the ADP that we've created so so it's it's vitally important. They're always a little bit tricky to to fill, <laughs> but um, you know they they are extremely important and extremely useful to a lot of people. So so if you are at all interested, get at me. I haven't tweeted it out yet, but keep an eye for the keep an eye out for the tweet as well. But you know you don't have to wait for me to tweet it either. Just DM me. If at Superflex Dude on Twitter, if you want to join in a uh, a Superflex ADP mock draft, they're going to be starting very very soon. Let me know; I'll get you into those. Um, but so we created that ADP. The problem is the software um, doesn't allow for it doesn't recognize rookie picks, and the problem is you know most startups right now this time of year like basically between you know January and the N- the NFL rookie draft in April uh those those startups are generally going to include rookie picks as a draftable asset right i mean some of them do it in different ways some like sometimes we'll have you know just just kind of a separate uh, you know, just make the rookie pick its own thing 
Um, you know, and I mean, there are ways to do it. We'll talk about that on Superflex City's commissioner office, um, because I think that that's a, it's a, a very important thing. But I mean, to me, the best way to do it, you don't have to do it this way, but the best way to do it is to throw those rookie picks into your startup. You can draft the rookie picks or you can draft the players. Um, and then, you know, you hold the rookie draft after the NFL draft, whoever drafted those rookie picks in the startup. Now they're making those picks in the rookie draft. To me, that's, it's just kind of a no brainer way to do it because it, it creates more, more ways to build your roster in the startup. So, um, but anyways, you know, and I think that a lot of people do it that way. So we've got a lot of startups that are going to be happening over the next few months that are going to include rookie picks. Well, our ADP at DLF doesn't include rookie picks. So how the hell do you value them? How do you, how do you value them? So what I did is uh, created a couple other mock drafts. Only did two of them in December. We'll do more of them in January and February. But uh, some mock drafts that include rookie picks, you won't be able to find them at DLF. I, I, you know, I'll write an article about it. Um, but this way, you're going to get a little bit of commentary here. I'm going to editorialize this a little bit <laughs> um, in, uh, in this, here in this episode of Super Show. So I'm going to share the data that, I, that we collected, um, that we created with those mock drafts. I'm going to share this with you um, and you know, kind of tell you where these rookie picks go. But like I said, I'll also write an article for DynastyLeagueFootball.com that also shares this this data, so you can kind of see it written out. And also, you you know, you don't have to wade through my opinion; <laughs> just just the facts, man. But right now, I mean, there's it's just me all alone in this little studio in front of a microphone. I'm the only one with a microphone, and it's hot, and uh, so. I, I get to just throw my opinion around, and there's absolutely nothing anyone can do. I mean, you can shut this off, I, and I hope that you don't. I, <laughs> I hope that you'll stick with me, um, despite the fact that I'm about to get a little opinionated with this. But I hope that you'll stick with me because, you know, this is this this can be very important stuff. You know, I was talking to my, to my guy Swags today about rookie picks and we were talking about the way we use it not only as currency this time of year but I mean it's our primary currency we don't talk a lot about player values in relation to other players everything that we're talking about is in relation to rookie picks what's this player worth well you know probably two two first round picks um, one of them needs to be a you know top five, and the other one could be you know it could be a later first round pick. We know first of all now we're able to talk about it in in those terms, right? Because now we know where these picks are. We know that this person in your league has one point oh one. We know that you having just won your championship got you know pick one twelve in the first round. And so like now these are, these are set in stone picks that now we can start to put some value to them. The problem is, you know, 
we we talk so much about like like I said, you know, Swag's made a great point, which is that this is our currency right now. Those picks, that's all we're really talking about. And when we talk about player values, we're just talking about them in relation to the picks. That's fine. That I mean, it's a it, honestly, it's a great way to quantify it. But if you're gonna do that, you want it to be accurate. You want it to get you want to get it right. So, you know, I'm gonna look at this ADP a little bit here, and may you know consider it. We'll we'll consider together making some adjustments to it because, again, it's important that we get this right. We want to make sure our dollar is buying a dollar's worth of, you know, of of goods essentially. We want our our draft picks to get, you know, the most bang for our buck and and vice versa. If we're going to trade away a player for a rookie pick, like it it needs to be we need to make sure that we're maximizing the value that we're getting in return and take into account you know, forget about the fact that some of these players got hurt and focus on the fact that when they were healthy, here's what they were capable of doing. Here's what they were doing. This is what these players should be worth. And, you know, look at the downside of these these rookie picks, which is that we're probably going to get a lot of them wrong. You know, we're pro- we'll are we'll get some of them right, obviously. Justin Jefferson and Justin Herbert both ended up being great values in a rookie draft. But every, every other wide receiver that you took in the first round was, if you, especially if you took them ahead of Justin Jefferson, you got it wrong. You know, back to the quarterbacks, too. If you took Justin, if you took Joe Burrow over Justin Herbert, you got it wrong. So... That it, it, we're not going to, we don't have a way of predicting how to get those picks right. So let's devalue those picks a little bit and make up for the fact, hedge against the fact that we're probably going to get those wrong a little bit. With that said, let's talk about some ADP here and see where we can make adjustments. So in December, like I said, two mock drafts. By the way, these are, have been heavy on quarterbacks. All of these startup mock drafts for Superflex, the first round is heavy on quarterbacks. Does that mean quarterback extreme is dead? Hell no. Not even a little bit. It's great that people are starting to catch on to the value of those top-tier quarterbacks, but they're still, they're still not totally sold on, you know, they're, they're sold on the quality. They're not sold yet on the quantity. And this year, to me, really illustrates the, the, the value of quarterbacks based on their scarcity. It was that much harder to find good quarterbacks that you could actually start this year. You know, when we had guys like Nick Foles and, and I mean, to me, Drew Locke. Drew Locke was a train wreck. It was really hard to start him. At times, Phillip Rivers was very hard to start. Early in the year, Tyrod Taylor was not startable. You know, Gardner Minshew and then Jake Lutton and Mike Glennon and whoever else was going <laughs> to ever start any games for Jacksonville. You know, there were a lot of quarterbacks all of a sudden that it, it felt very hard to start them in Superflex. 
that's why you want options. That's why you want high-end options. So that you don't have to, you don't run into those situations where you're like, oh my God, am I really going to start this guy? I am, aren't I? Ugh, so gross. So anyways, it, that's that's a whole other that's a whole other episode, whole other topic. But back to this ADP. Again, these these startups have been very heavy early on quarterbacks. Uh, seven quarterbacks in the first round. Eight quarterbacks. Somehow Justin Herb I missed Justin Herbert there. So, you know, Pat Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, and Josh Allen all have first round ADPs. Eight quarterbacks uh, out of 12 picks. Um, no rookie picks in the first round. But those eight quarterbacks, that's I, I <laughs> this is going to come into play a little bit. Um, into the second round, Joe Burrow also goes, he goes uh, fifth overall in the second round. And then it's sixth overall of the second round, we finally get our first rookie pick. 101 comes off the board. This... <laughs> This already gets very interesting for me because we're pretty sure, we don't know for a fact, but we're about 90% positive, 95% positive that 101 is going to be Trevor Lawrence, the new quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, unless he doesn't come out for whatever reason, he is still a junior, he could still go back to school. Can't imagine that happens, though. We've been, we you know, we've heard from the people who know and and who keep up with this the most. We've heard that this is one of the best quarterback prospects, you know, in, in a generation, essentially. You know, certainly since Andrew Luck, very possibly since even Peyton Manning. Trevor Lawrence might be a better prospect at quarterback than Andrew Luck is kind of what we're being told. And I have no reason to to not believe that. I mean, the, the people saying this, Ray Garvin is, is one of my absolute favorite follows for Debbie. I'm sure he is yours as well. He's been saying Trevor Lawrence is not only the best prospect since Peyton Manning that right now, and he said this earlier in 2020 in the middle of the 2020 season, he said that Trevor Lawrence is a top 10 dynasty quarterback. I mean, and that's coming from a voice that I trust. So I, we've got to roll with that. We've got to go along with that. Based on this ADP, he's number 10. Eight quarterbacks ahead of him in the first round and then another one, Joe Burrow, in the second round before 101 comes off the board. Again, we're going to assume that that's Trevor Lawrence. That makes Trevor Lawrence the 10th quarterback off the board going in the second round. So the the there's there's kind of two sides to that one. This one is tough. Because first of all, I mean when when Trevor Lawrence gets to the NFL, are people still going to be taking Joe Burrow ahead of him? Are people still going to be taking Russell Wilson ahead of him? Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson? I'm not so sure about that. I'll be honest with you, and I can make an argument either way. Again, I mean, I I do think that it's important to note that these guys have 
that we're talking about ahead of Trevor Lawrence right now have been in the NFL and have established themselves, have actually accomplished something. They have a role. They have a job. You know, we we know what their situation is like. But we've also seen some downside with some of these guys. Lamar Jackson is very boom bust. He has to run. He's not a good passer. He's just not. He's just not a very he's not a he's not a good NFL passer. And that's fine because he still finds ways to score fantasy points and ultimately that's all we care about. But if he's not able to run, I mean, he can leave you with some stinker games. Dak Prescott coming off a major injury. I mean, it's a broken bone. It, but it you know, it still required surgery. There's also just the fact that I mean, just the human psychology behind seeing your your ankle dangling holding on by a thread. I mean, it's going to make you a little bit scared of of, you know, trash around your feet. Standing in the pocket or taking off and running. Either way, it's going to freak him out a little bit. It's going to take a little bit of time to get out of his head when it comes to that. Russell Wilson, someone I've been hammering on for the last few weeks because as good as he was in weeks 1 through 12, he's been just as bad in weeks 13 through 16. He has been dreadful, and he probably cost you a fantasy matchup somewhere along the lines in the playoffs when you had to have the win. He couldn't do it in in you know week five, week six, when you know you could afford to lose that game. He waited till weeks 13, 14, 15, and 16 to have his worst games of the season and get you eliminated from your fantasy playoffs. That's a problem. That's something that we have to consider. That also happens just about every year. So, you know, again, it's something that I think we need to consider. And then Joe Burrow, he's going to be coming off a major injury. He's going to be coming back to, in at least with the information that we have right now, he's got a bad offensive line, and he's coming back to that Zach Taylor offense that, to put it nicely, is flawed. So there's, the, there, there's an argument to be made of Trevor Lawrence over every single one of those guys. Here's the other side of the argument, though. Players going after pick 1.01. Nick Chubb, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry. What does Derrick Henry have to do, <laughs> by the way? Uh, Jonathan Taylor. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> let's just skip over that one for the sake of time. Let's just skip over that. Let's just say real quick, just a quick statement. That is wrong. Aaron Rodgers over Trevor Lawrence. Easy enough? Fair enough? Can we just leave it there? I, I I know that I'll get some blowback on that one. Feel free. Feel free to tell me that I'm wrong about that one. I mean, I'm not going to come off of it. Um, but, you know, if, uh, if, if you feel differently, I, I would still love to hear it. Um, I have absolutely no problem having that conversation. Uh, I just, it's not going to change for me. Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback. He's the MVP of the league. The MVP of the league. After people buried him, 
I was going to make this a one-sentence statement, and I just can't do it. Aaron Rodgers is way too good, and Aaron Rodgers should be going ahead of Trevor Lawrence right now. Um, anyways, you know, those are those are some names that are going after Trevor Lawrence. And again, these are established guys. Nick Chubb, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, those are some players that we've already seen. They're already on NFL rosters, first of all. We've already seen them produce. We've seen what that looks like. And we've seen, you know, the fantasy viability there. There's still some risk with 101. It might not be Trevor Lawrence, for one thing. And even if it is, it's not a slam dunk that we've got that right. It, the most likely scenario is he's the best player available to us in this rookie class. Rookie class that all of a sudden isn't looking nearly as strong as maybe what we thought it would, uh, you know, a year ago. But still, you know, Trevor Lawrence is still a generational talent is what we're being told. So is is that enough what we know about Trevor Lawrence is that enough to overcome the risk that this is, that he's not the first overall pick and is it enough to overcome the risk of him going to a bad situation in Jacksonville maybe you know what it's it's also possible that Jacksonville trades that pick they shouldn't i can't imagine that they would but maybe they do you know what if they do what if they what if they trade down with, you know, with the New York Jets or with the Washington football team and now all of a sudden Trevor Lawrence becomes a starting quarterback at one of those, for one of those two franchises, two poorly run franchises, quite frankly. Are we going to feel as good about him there? Are you going to want to build your team around him rather than A.J. Brown? So that's that's the devil advocate side. I mean, my answer is yes, but there's there is there is a, a conversation to be had there. But and that's one oh one. Again, Trevor Lawrence feels like he's going to be an absolute slam dunk prospect, right? What happens at one oh two? So let's get back to this ADP. Round two. Fifth overall pick is 101. Sixth overall pick is Nick Chubb. Seventh pick of the second round is pick 1.02. Ahead of, still ahead of A.J. Brown, still ahead of Derrick Henry, still ahead of Aaron Rodgers and Jonathan Taylor. Whoo, this is only getting rougher. <laughs> like I said, 101, there's an argument on either side. 102, I don't see it. What is the argument? What what is the upside of pick one oh two that you don't get with you know AJ Brown or you know Jonathan Taylor? You know, Justin Fields seems like or Zach Wilson, it kind of seems like those guys are maybe gonna be maybe Trey Lance. Those guys are kind of gonna be in contention for one oh two. If you need a running back, you're probably looking at Najee Harris. Let's let's wipe that one out real quick. Does anyone think that Najee Harris is going to be a better NFL running back than Jonathan Taylor? 
I mean, my guess is that every single one of you is shaking your head no right now. So let's take that off the, uh, completely off the table. This is a this is a quarterback that we're looking at at 102. Would you rather try and build around a quarterback who, you know, it could be Justin Herbert, it could be Tua, <laughs> you know, it, there's there are a lot there's a wide range of outcomes for that pick. Are you are you really willing to to take that risk and try and build around? you know, whatever quarterback that ends up being than A.J. Brown or Justin Jefferson. Back to the quarterback position, I, 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 know that, I know that I'm not going to get anybody on board with Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, let's talk about some of the other guys. Ryan Tannehill, Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts. Baker Mayfield, like are, are you are you sure that you're even Tua? Tua goes here in the second round as well, um, after pick one hundred two. Are you really willing to take your chances with one hundred two over those guys at quarterback? It's a it's a tough sell for me, you know. I don't I I don't think that I could do it. I think I would rather have those established guys. Obviously, I would rather have Aaron Rodgers, but beyond that, you know, so some of those other those other younger guys, and they don't even have to be super young. Jared Goff, Ryan Tannehill, you know, late twenties, early thirties. I'm fine with that. I'll still get you know five plus years out of those guys. I have no idea what I'm getting at 102. So I'll take I'll take the veteran there personally. I'm curious what you guys think as well, but you know, for me, like, for me, 102, it it it's it's too early for 102 right there. I think the quarterback position or the running back position needs to start to dry up a little bit before 102 should come off the board. So, you know, I think that we should be looking more like the third or fourth round. 101, I'm fine with that in the second round. I could even, like I said, I could even make the argument for that to be a first-round pick. But in the second round, I'm I'm fine with 101. 102 is it's way, way too early for me for 102. Uh, third round, so again, Aaron Rodgers, Tua, Jonathan Taylor, those guys have all come off the board. We get to the third round. DeAndre Swift, Justin Jefferson, and then pick three of the third round is pick 103, at rookie pick 103. So it's ahead of Michael Thomas, it's ahead of Miles Sanders, uh, Josh Jacobs, DeAndre Hopkins, um, Travis Kelsey, C.D. Lamb, Calvin Ridley, you know, J.K. Dobbins, uh, Keenan Allen, and, and you know... I've, some of these wide receiver names are particularly important because I know that this is going to be a, a deep, dynamic wide receiver, you know, rookie wide receiver class with Jamar Chase and Rondell Moore and, um, you know, a handful of other guys. I, I, you know, Devonta Smith. I Like, I know that this is going to be a good wide receiver class. The wide receiver position to me, more than any other position, is where I really need to see it. 
We've seen it from Michael Thomas. We've seen it from DeAndre Hopkins. We've even seen it from, you know, Calvin Ridley and somewhat from C.D. Lamb. I, that's that's the one that really makes me curious. C.D. Lamb or Jamar Chase? Who are you taking? And, and, and I think that it's, a f- it's fair to say you would prefer Jamar Chase at this point. I think that that's fair. Um, but I, I think that it's a it's probably a tougher dilemma uh, than this ADT, this ADP makes it look, right? I certainly think that Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins deserve some consideration over pick 103. Even if you are planning on taking a wide receiver with that pick, I'd still rather have those two veteran guys who have shown elite level volume, elite level production. Those guys get a ton of volume and they catch everything. You know, so to me, again, you know, 102 was already way too early in the second round. Here we are in the early third round with 103 going. And, you know, it's it's becoming even it's becoming murkier. It's becoming more and more murky as far as what you're going to do with that pick. And again, I you know, maybe you are starting to think, all right, you know, put the put the quarterbacks aside. I want to build around a rookie wide receiver like Jamar Chase. I still think that you've got to consider Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins before Jamar Chase. I think you're more likely to get it wrong with 103 than you are with with you know an older guy like Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins. It's too early for me. It's it's way too early. Uh the next one doesn't go until the 4th round. We go uh, we make it a full round. The 3rd pick of the 4th round 104 after Keenan Allen and Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Ahead of Baker Mayfield, ahead of Aaron Jones, ahead of James Robinson, ahead of Ryan Tannehill, ahead of Chris Godwin, ahead of Terry McLaurin. Those guys all go after pick 104. And like I said, to me, like this is just getting <laughs> the first of all, it's getting more murky as far as the picks go, right? It's becoming, you know, Trevor Lawrence is off the board. Quarterback two, whoever that is, call it Justin Fields, he's off the board. Jamar Chase is off the board. Uh, if you're, you know, you're trying to build around a wide receiver. And now here at 104, I mean, we're kind of looking at, you know, call it Zach Wilson or Trey Lance, a quarterback. Call it, um, I, I, I don't even know. Tell me who's the, who's the wide receiver two out of the class. And then there's Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. And you hope that one of those two ends up in a good enough situation. You hope one of those two, you know, goes to goes to Pittsburgh. But there's no guarantees. They could easily end up in a situation that's not, you know, not not nearly as as good as that one. They could end up in a committee somewhere. They could end up with the Chargers. How about that? Austin Eckler, you know, as good as he's been, maybe they decide that they don't want him to be the lead back. And they go heavy, you know, they go early at running back. They end up with either Etienne or or Najee Harris. All of a sudden, 
you know, the landing spot devalues that player. And that can happen at any one of these positions. So, you know, again, that's the risk. That's the risk of these rookie picks. And now, you know, at the fourth pick, we're getting into guys with a, a wide range of outcomes that include a ton of risk. So, you know, do you really want to take 104 over some of those guys that I listed? You know, again, back to the running back position, that's, that's probably the most compelling to me because I think that we're probably looking at running backs at that point. At 104, I think that the most likely scenario is you're saying, you know, Travis Etienne or Najee Harris, whoever ends up in the best situation. That's who I'm going for. Well, you've got Aaron Jones. You've got James Robinson. You've got Antonio Gibson, and you've got Austin Eckler. All those guys are still on the board. So is 104. And then, you know, later you still have Cam Akers, Joe Mixon, Chris Carson, David Montgomery. Those guys are all still on the board. Kareem Hunt. Those guys are still on the board. Are you going to take your chances with that 104 ends up being, you know, a good enough running back? And, you know, they're still going to fall to the fourth pick, but they're going to be in a good enough situation. Yeah, I I don't know. These are, these are, to me, like at this point, we're getting to be like several rounds too early. Uh, that's, that's my own personal opinion. Um, we're, we're taking these, these rookie picks multiple rounds too early. Um, we go a full round before we get to the fifth overall, the fifth rookie pick, um, third pick of the fifth round where Terry McLaurin and Matthew Stafford just came off the board. George Kittle is still there at quarterback, uh, it's uh, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Daniel Jones. So that's looking a little bit better. You know, I, I think that that's, if 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 it plays out the way we've kind of hypothesized here with, you know, Jamar Chase and maybe a running back going in the top four picks, and now you've got, you know, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson in that, you know, still available there at 105, plus the wide receiver two, plus the running back two. But particularly if if you're looking at quarterbacks and, you know, it's Carson Wentz, it's Matt Ryan, it's Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts. <laughs> J- man, J- so got to preface this real quick. J- this, we started these in early December before Jalen Hurts took over that starting job, I don't think that he's going to hold that uh, that round six ADP. Otherwise, I think he's a slam dunk, right? Like I think that you take him rather than you take one hundred and five. If you're looking for a quarterback, I think you take Jalen Hurts. But assuming he's off the board, and now maybe we slide everything down a spot. <laughs> now we're sitting at one hundred and four or uh, five hundred four. Rookie pick 105 is there. Carson Wentz is there. Matt Ryan's there. Daniel Jones is there. I don't I don't mind that. I don't mind taking 105 with the idea that you're going to get a quarterback over those guys. You know, as much as I've just got done saying you want the veteran who's proved himself, I mean, Matt Ryan has proved something. 
but he's also proved that he's 36 years old and not long for this league anymore. He also very well could be on the move. He might not be back in Atlanta throwing to Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. We don't know where he's going to end up. San Francisco seems like a very good fit. He had his MVP quality season under Kyle Shanahan. That would be a great fit for Carson Wentz, but we don't know that any more than we know you know what? who's going to be available to us at 105. Those other guys, Carson Wentz, I think is going to, well, if he's, if he's in Philadelphia and he's behind Jalen Hurts, yeah, I mean, you know, that, that pick is just, it, it, you know, Carson, Carson Wentz becomes an extremely difficult person to even roster, much less pick in the fifth round. Daniel Jones, what has he proven at this point that, you don't know for sure you're going to get from that that rookie. So, you know, so I, if if it falls this way, I don't mind 105 ahead of, you know, Carson Wentz and Daniel Jones if you're earmarking it as a quarterback. The problem is you're passing up on George Kittle, Stephon Diggs at 508, you know, Cam Akers at 512, Joe Mixon at 601. Those are the tough the tough ones to make. Now, if you need quarterbacks, then... I mean, if you need quarterbacks, I think you draft quarterbacks. I don't think you draft rookie picks because you don't know for sure it's going to be quarterbacks. But, you know, if you need quarterbacks, like that's probably the price that you're going to have to pay for a quarterback anyways. So go ahead and take the rookie. But, man, this is close. I would rather not. This is why I go quarterback extreme so that I'm not in a situation here in the fifth round where I'm trying to decide between a, you know, a, a low-floor quarterback and George Kittle or you know that low-floor quarterback, that unknown quarterback in Stephon Diggs or Cam Akers or Joe Mixon. I want to be able to take the, you know, I want to be able to take Diggs right there. I want to be able to take Mixon or, or Cam Akers right there, or George Kittle. I want one of those guys. I don't want to have to scramble for a quarterback right there. You know, 105 kind of represents that. It represents your last chance at a high upside quarterback, but I don't want to be in that position. But I think, honestly, I think that, you know, as much as those those the last couple picks have been way off. I think 105 is probably fine in that range. Um, ideally, you know, that's that's 103 or 104 available to you in the fifth round instead of 105. But, you know, I think that even 105 is, is it's fine in that range. But, man, I, I don't, I don't want to have to do that. Here's the other question, though. Are you trading George Kittle for 105? You know, forget that this is a startup for a second. Take that out of the equation. And let's just talk about, uh, you know, this is year two, year three. You need a quarterback pretty desperately. You you know, you just, you, you don't have quarterbacks anymore because, you know, you lost, you know, Gardner Minshew and, and, um, 
Uh, yeah, who else even lost their jobs? But, you know, you lost some Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. There you go. You had Carson Wentz and Gardner Minshew. Now you need quarterback help because you've got nothing. Are you trading George Kittle for 105 so that you can get a quarterback? Are you trading Stephon Diggs for 105? I mean, to me, like, you consider trading those guys for 102. Maybe maybe even 101. You know, I think that you should be able to expect at least 102 for those guys, if not 101. Are you going to take them for... Are you going to give them up for 105? Ooh, that would... That would hurt. And so if you're not going to do it in a trade in year two or year three, I don't do it in a startup. You know, that's kind of the bottom line here. And and I, I'm up against it on time. Always go way too long. I had zero intention to doing that, but there's just so much ranting to do when it comes to this topic. But that's the bottom line. Is this a trade that you're that you'd be willing to make? I and I just don't think so. Real quick, let me finish off the first round for you before I sign off here. But so 106 goes in the seventh round with the second pick, right after Robert Woods, ahead of Derek Carr, Kareem Hunt, Deontay Johnson, Mike Evans. Man, Mike Evans fell a long ways. Um, 107 goes at the ninth pick of the second round. Um, right after Julio Jones and Teddy Bridgewater, ahead of Ronald Jones, Kenyon Drake, Jerry Judy, Cooper Cup. Uh, 108 goes in the eighth round with the fifth pick, uh, right after Tyler Boyd and Cortland Sutton, ahead of uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Dallas Goddard, Noah Fant, Adam Thielen, Jalen Rager. Uh, 109 goes at the the 12th pick of the 8th round, just after DJ Chark and Jalen Rager, ahead of Raheem Mostert, Denzel Mims, Tyler Lockett, guys like that. Uh, 109, oh, 110, uh, goes with the first pick of the 10th round, right after Debo Samuel, Michael Pittman, ahead of Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry. Uh, 111 goes with the 4th pick of the 10th round, um, right after Landry and before Robbie Anderson and Zach Moss. Uh, 112 goes with the eighth pick of the 10th round, ahead of right after Hollywood Brown, ahead of Odell Beckham Jr., Tony Pollard, Brandon Cooks. So all of these, I think, are, are still a little overvalued, but, man, it, it definitely starts to settle in later, later in the round. You know, like I could certainly make an argument for 110, Versus, you know, Michael Pittman and Debo Samuel. Uh, I could certainly make an argument for 109 over, you know, DJ Chark and Raheem Mostert. 108 versus Ben Roethlisberger. I'd probably take 108 at this point if I can. If I can get away with it at all. Um, You know, 107 I think is still probably a little overvalued going ahead of, you know, Cortland Sutton and Cooper Cup. I don't, yeah, I, I think that's a little too early. But the rest of these picks, I think, are, you know, once you get past 107, I think that they're in a decent range 
Um, probably uh, pretty fair value. Still a little early, but really not horrible. So uh, maybe next time we can talk more about this, get into the second round. Um, I'll probably even get uh, some of my co-hosts on board from this the from Superflex City, and uh, of course from the Superflex Super Show. And uh, you know we can just kind of generally talk more about some of these rookie rookie pick values. Um, look at this ADP, and like I said, we'll we'll do this again. You know, we'll create some more updated uh, ADP um, as we do these uh, these mock drafts to create the ADP available at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. As we do that, we can also uh, throw in some of these mock drafts that include rookie picks and uh, get some ADP there as well. So, um, like I said, sign up if uh, if you have any interest in joining. Um, I, I need to start with those, uh, those mock drafts that don't have the rookie picks, but once we get those rolling and, uh, start to wrap those up, then we'll move on to the mock drafts that do have the rookie picks and, uh, need drafters for both. So if you have any interest, please join in, um, DM me and then, or when you, uh, when you see the tweet go out, uh, you can just reply there. And I'll I'll get you signed up. Let's wrap this up though. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, the Mega Feed. Uh, subscribe to Superflex City uh, so you can get access to not just the Super Show but all of the Superflex content. Literally all of the Superflex content in the Dynasty world in the universe. It's all at Superflex City. We've got super flexible. We've got super flexperts. We've got snake in the draft. And then all of the new podcasts that we create over at super flex city. It's uh, it's just a never ending sea of super flex content. So join us over there. Uh, if you would do us a favor and rate and review the super show helps us to get out to more people and touch on more topics that are useful to you. Our super friends, uh, get at us on Twitter at Superflex Show. Uh, we're horrible at answering those, but uh, you can still try it. <laughs> Even better, though, uh, just get to me individually at Superflex Dude. And, uh, uh, you know, whether it's a trade poll that I can retweet for you um, or, uh, you know, feedback on, uh, on this particular solo show, um, man, it's just good to be back talking about, you know, uh, we we don't have to worry about setting lineups anymore. We don't have to worry about you know who's who's healthy and who's not, and how do we you know how do we navigate this season? We get to just get back to the value piece of this and build those dynasty rosters together in a in a way that that just that makes sense and that helps you you know just kind of. Just keep those super flex rosters moving forward and growing and, and getting stronger throughout this non-point scoring season. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to doing more of this. Thank you for joining me this time. This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James the Brain Catullus. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy.